in your Bibles, we are in Matthew, right? Matthew? Yeah, man, it's been um, 12 chapters, but just about as many months. Uh, and uh, we've got, yeah, say, 15 more chapters, give or take, and maybe 15 uh, more months left in this book. We're just spending some good time soaking in the Word of God, learning about Jesus as he walked with his disciples. And this morning, we are going to pick up in Matthew chapter 13. And uh, we're going to, this is, I've been, I've been waiting, just waiting for this chapter. Because this is the storytelling part of the Bible. This is the best part of the Bible for me, because Jesus talks in stories, and he talks simply, um, and, and I can understand some of these things, and then I don't understand some of these things, and I go, I have no idea what he's talking about. And then he starts to explain them, and it's wonderful. So it's like story time with Jesus for the next couple weeks, and I'm very excited about it. So we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 13 this morning. Now, but before we get reading in the Word, just stick your finger in there. I would, uh, I'd like to say just a few things to get us caught up. We had just finished hearing about Jesus talk about the character of men, right? That men are either good character or bad character. You're either with God or you're against God, and there is no option there. And he had been having some conflict with the Pharisees who felt they were super holy and that they had good character. And on the outside, they looked good, but on the inside, they weren't good. And Jesus said, you're a brood of vipers. You're leading people astray. Your character's not great. There needs to be some work. I don't want to work with you. And the Pharisees weren't really on board with that plan. So rather than fight with the Pharisees, because Scripture says that Jesus was not going to pick fights, he was just going to teach the truth and move on, he retreated from the city, okay? And he went to a beach on the Sea of Galilee because he just had a very stressful day. And he just wanted to sit on the beach and relax a little bit. But the problem with Jesus is that wherever he goes, people go. So if he wanted to escape the crowds, he went to an isolated beach. The crowds flocked to the isolated beach. So much so that he had to get in a boat and push out from shore because there were too many people on the shore. And he just couldn't get a moment to breathe. You guys ever had just had a day where it never stopped and you just kind of wanted to get in a boat and go away and not have to deal with people? Okay. Um, Jesus has had one of these days. It's not that he doesn't love people, but... He's people, and he needs rest, too, but the people followed him. And so he, he went back to something that I think we all go back to is storytelling. He wasn't going to go harsh on people. He had some hard conversations. He was going to do something that was just relaxing, something that was something that you do at the end of a long, hard day. You sit around a campfire, and you tell stories. And this is where Jesus is in chapter 13. So he told them this story from a boat, and I want to read a portion of it to you this morning. This is Jesus talking to the crowds. That day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd, they stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. He said this. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path. And the birds came down and scooped them up and ate them and devoured them. And other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they, uh, they sprung up immediately. But they did not have depth of soil, so when the sun rose, they were scorched and withered away. Other seeds fell among some thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked the life out of them. 
Some seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So he who has ears, let him hear. Now imagine, you've followed Jesus for the past couple days, you've been walking town to town, and what you've seen of Jesus is, you brood of vipers. There is only one way to heaven, it's through me. There's good character and there's bad character, there's nothing in the middle. And so you've seen some harsh, aggressive, good words from Jesus. And you follow him because you're intrigued by this man. And he gets in a boat and he's like, so there was a farmer. And it starts like a joke. But he continues talking. There's this farmer and he's sowing seed. And he's starting to tell this story. And they realize it's not a joke. It's not the setup for something. It's not that he's going to bash us over the head. He's trying to tell us something. He wants us to understand the words that are coming from his heart out of his mouth to our ears. Now, here's something that we should know. I didn't know where on the Sea of Galilee, and I'm a map guy. I'm a picture guy. Here's the Sea of Galilee, okay, the Sea of Galilee down here. Um, And this is the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, okay, just giving you some point of reference here. So the Mount of Beatitudes and then the Sea of Galilee is down here. Um, In the Sea of Galilee is where uh, he taught this parable and the other parables that we're going to look at in the coming weeks. Um, He taught it from a little cove, which is located right here, okay? There's a little cove on the Sea of Galilee just down the hill from the Mount of Beatitudes, which we all know from our previous talks, there's a church up there, and there's this beautiful fertile soil, uh, and the farmlands existed back then and today, and so there's this little pathway and this road, okay, that goes through, and then there's this beautiful little cove where Jesus went. So he'd been teaching probably right about up here, and then he walked down to get away from the crowds to the beach. Now there's this cove, and it's a semicircular bay, okay, here it is, right here. If I go back one, it's, uh, it's, it's one of these two. I don't know which one. I, I'm going to guess it's this one. Um, and here's the, here's the cove, okay? And up the hills, the Mount of Beatitudes, and then there's this cove right here. And uh, to this day, it's known as Sower's Cove because of the parable of the sower. Or in another way, it may be called the Bay of the Parables because they identify this as the location where Jesus taught these parables. It's a semicircular uh, bay, and... It is the most attractive point on the Sea of Galilee. Across all of the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, this is the one that is most beautiful. The slopes of the hill surrounding the sea uh, and the the Sower's Cove and dipping down into the cove, um, uh, it forms a natural amphitheater. So it wasn't built that way by man, but God crafted this bay in such a way that it um, carries acoustics quite well. And in recent days, we have science that can measure the acoustical properties of rooms and open spaces. And so scientists, smart people who love Jesus have gone out to the Bay of Parables, to Sower's Cove, and they've said, surely Jesus could not have taught from a boat and very many people heard. Because how many of you have gotten into the ocean and tried to say something to someone on the shore, and it's like you're hollering and you might as well just use a phone or send a carrier pigeon, or a message in a bottle, because your voice does not carry over the sounds of the shore and the things that are going on on land. Well, they have measured acoustically the Bay of Parables. And science has demonstrated that as many as 7,000 people could hear someone speaking from a boat right about here. 
that the voice can carry, speaking at normal tones, unamplified, the way God made this bay, it can carry a voice very far. So still people don't believe. They're like, well, they're surely faulty scientific equipment. So people go visit Israel regularly. And, uh, and they go visit the Mount of Beatitudes, and they walk down the hill to Sower's Cove. It's a tourist location that people go to. And what a lot of people do is they take their Bible and they go stand on the beach in the center and they read scripture. And one of their other friends goes as far back as they can. Time after time after time, people are walking way up the hillside because they can still hear the person reading the scriptures. And to me, that's amazing because God used this beach. This is Sower's Cove. Used this cove to communicate a message to thousands of people in one day. This location was not just good because of acoustics. It was a very appropriate setting for this particular parable. In this parable, Jesus talks about different types of earth, right? And so as he was sitting in the boat, he was looking out up the hill to the Mount of Beatitudes, and he was looking at everything in between. And what did he see? Fertile, black earth, rocky ground, soil that has thorns in it, and a big, run-down Roman road that was hard from much travel. So Jesus is talking about the things that the people are seeing with their very own eyes, something culturally that they understood was farming, and he was applying it to this place right here. So that he was probably teaching this parable and going, hey, the rocky earth, hey, the thorny soil. Hey, the great fertile land. So it made sense visually to these people. I want to read to you the next section of scripture, 10 through 17. It says this. The disciples came to him in the boat and said, why are you speaking to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not been given. For the one who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. You will indeed hear, but you will not understand. You will indeed see, but you will not perceive. For the people's hearts have grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear, and their eyes are closed. But they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. And I would turn and heal them. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and they did not see it. To hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. So Jesus again goes back to Isaiah, right? Because Isaiah is all about Jesus. And he again pulls out scriptures that say, this is what the prophets were talking about. And they asked him this, why are you talking in parables? It was the first time we see parables show up. The question might even be asked, what is a parable? Why did you just tell us this story? What does this have to do with anything? A parable, a little story with a big truth. It's the definition of a parable. It's a little story with a really big truth. And Jesus is using little stories with big truths to communicate in a way that he might reach more people. 
He's taking common things that people understand and applying spiritual truth to them. So he can say the kingdom of heaven is like X, Y, or Z. So it's a little story with a big truth. It reveals a truth about the kingdom of heaven. And the truth that Jesus is saying here is that some are going to receive the truth and others are not going to receive the truth. The Pharisees, the crowd, the disciples, they all heard the story. Seven to 10,000 people estimated that day. And the Pharisees, Jesus is talking about in the book of Isaiah, the Pharisees, the words went in their ears, vibrated the little things and the bones in the ears that make sound happen, and then went right out the other side. Any of you raise children and you tell your children something and you know that mechanically the ears functioned, but something between the functioning mechanical bones of the ear and the doing and the processing and the responding, there was like a disconnect. That's what Jesus is saying about the Pharisees. They mechanically heard the words, but they did not hear the words that Jesus was talking. See, the word here in Scripture does not just mean the mechanical um, eardrum bone bouncing sound thing that happens. The word here in Scripture means to have the audio go in to recognize the words, to apply the meaning of the words to your life, and then to do that meaning. So when it says in Scripture, to be hearers of the word and doers of the word, not just hearing it, but doing it as well, Jesus is saying, take the sound in, process it, and live it. That's what he's saying. And he's saying the Pharisees are taking the sound in, but they're not processing and living it. So in hearing... They're not really hearing it. And in seeing Jesus, they're not really seeing him for who he is. They hear the words, but they don't do them. They see Jesus, but they don't see the kingdom that he's bringing. They don't see the kingship that he is. They hear Jesus' words, but they don't hear the truth about their sin, about their lives, and about how much love God has for sinners. So Jesus encourages his disciples. He says, listen, it's good that you ask questions. Because in asking questions, it shows me that you're listening and processing. And it's okay that you don't have all the answers. Let me explain to you what this parable means. And so then Jesus explains the parable to those who had questions. Who says, I want to hear. I want to see. I want to know. I don't understand. Will you go deeper with me? And Jesus says, I will always go deeper with you. And so he explained the parable. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but has no root and endures for a little bit. But when tribulation or persecution arise on behalf of the word, Immediately he falls away. And as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and it proves to be unfruitful. And so for what is sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case 100-fold, in another 60, in another 30 So Jesus told this story, and then he explained some people aren't going to understand this, and some people 
are going to understand it. And the disciples are like, we want to understand it, but we're not quite sure we understand it. Can you help us understand it? Can you speak slower and use smaller words and tell us the exact meaning? And Jesus says, okay, if you're hungry for it, let me give it to you. So he breaks it down for them. Let's break it down ourselves this morning. First, we have some seed, okay? It's a handful of seed. Farmers in that day um, didn't have combines and tractors and all kinds of things that we have today. They didn't have the Scots um, green seed spreader where you pour the bag of the seed in and push it in. It little spins the seed everywhere. They had a tunic that they filled with seed, and they just, wherever they go, the seed was just going, okay? So they walked up and down the fields, up and down paths in the fields that were worn from walking, and they were... Throwing seed out, sowing seed, continually sowing seed, okay? So we've got the seed. And Jesus says that the seed in this story is the word of the kingdom. It's Jesus' word to us. He's saying there's hope and there's life and there's good news to be had. There's healing and salvation and freedom and the opportunity to live a life that's pleasing to God. And everywhere he goes, Jesus is saying, be healed and receive the kingdom and come and follow and come and see and join and it will be good. Come and participate. There's something better than the way you're living. Here, have some seed. So Jesus is throwing the seed out. So that's the seed. Very simple analogy for seed. The good news. The gospel seed. But then we've got soil types, right? So the farmer is walking up and down paths worn into the field by years and years of farming. That's how he gets around the field, and he's sowing the seed. And on the path, we've got hard hearts, worn from walking the same path, day in and day out, the path of the law, ritual, obedience, but no relationship. See, walking over the same place time in and time out makes ground incapable of receiving seed because it comes so hard. And that's where the Pharisees were. Jesus says, listen, you are hard ground. Seed falls on you, but you don't have any way to receive it because you just rather put your head down and keep trudging. Hard hearts. Then there's rocky, so I don't know if you can see it. There's two plants right here, one here and one here. Very, very teeny, teeny little plants in this rocky soil. See, in rocky ground, you are immediately receptive to the seed that has fallen on you. You get really excited. Yes, Jesus, high five, I'm on board. But there's no roots. Immediately receiving what was sown, but providing no depth for growth. This would be like a new Christian who is saved from hearing the good news. The seed is planted and sown, but then they never go to church again. They never read the Bible. They never pray. They never seek accountability with other people. And so there's no way for those roots to really go deeper and take hold. It shoots up for a short season. But independent of these things like fellowship of the saints and accountability and teaching and prayer and word in the life, there's no way for that to go deeper and get roots. And Jesus says, then there's thorny soil. It takes root but it struggles for nourishment in the cares of the world, in heavy hearts, and in sinful behaviors. This is the heart who receives the Lord, but does not actively seek to leave sin behind. Permits other seeds to be sown by the world, by old habits. Listens to teachers who teach counter-Christian doctrine. 
and allows those seeds to be sown. And then looks at all of the seeds that are growing and decides, how do I feel today and which one is going to make me feel better? And then nourishes those seeds. And so unfortunately, thorny soil takes root because now there are varying kinds of things vying for the nourishment of the soil. How many of you have ever had weeds in your, in your yard or your garden? How many of you have struggled to get rid of them? <laughs> right? They suck the nourishment out of the yard. I don't know why. Maybe it's, I don't understand it. It's a good picture that Jesus uses. Every time you're weeding, remember that about your own spiritual life. It's important to get down to the roots. Remove those weeds. This is the Christian who might look Christian, might even believe, but they wear a mask, right? They come to church and everything's great. Everything's absolutely fantastic in my life. I love the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. But in reality, there are struggles behind the veil. There are sins undealt with. There are burdens and cares of the life that are not being uh, met in the fellowship of believers and before the Lord. And that is going to drown you, choke you, create you in thorny soil. Then Jesus says there's good soil. Really, really good soil. This is the heart prepared for the gospel. And it gives a harvest of unparalleled potential. I don't think we understand in this day and age what it means when Jesus said this. Seeds fell on good soil and produced good grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. And we're like, great, it produced a harvest. We don't farm. What does that mean? What's a hundredfold? What's tenfold? What's 20? I don't know. Is that a good thing? Is that what they expected to get? What they expected to get on a really good year back in that day was 20%. What they expected was 20% on the best possible outcome. Average yield from sowing seed was 10% increase. Jesus is saying, listen, good soil, it's not just a 10% increase. It's a hundredfold. It's like everything and more. And as you grow, you get 30-fold, and you get 60-fold, and you get 100-fold, and it will go from there, Jesus said. Good soil plus the Holy Spirit, oh, yeah, that's unstoppable for the kingdom of God. It receives the seed, rejoices, embraces Christ fully, and with God's help, desires to set sin aside. This is what the good soil looks like. Desires to take those sinful patterns that could become thorny soil and says, I don't want those in my life anymore. I want more of God than I want more of this. And with the help of God's Holy Spirit, puts those things aside. Then develops habits that keeps the ground free of weeds and rocks. And embraces the authority of God and allowing God to grow and to water and to nourish and to prune as necessary so that the increase can be great. The thing is, of all of these soils, only one is ever going to produce fruit. It's the same message Jesus has been talking about. You are either good character or bad character. You either produce fruit or you don't. You are either with me or you are against me. There is nothing in between. Jesus is telling the same message over and over and over again. Why? Because sometimes I think we're just really hard-hearted and hard-headed. And we just, we have to run our head into the same message over and over and over again to get it. And Jesus says, listen, hard words work sometimes and soft words work sometimes. Soft words this time. Listen, there's four types of soil. Only one is going to produce fruit. 
And so the obvious question that is always asked at any given point in this parable sermon is always going to be what? What kind of soil are you? What kind of soil are you? But it's a trick question, right? Because it's not a complete question. You are not just one soil or another soil. You don't just be one soil, okay? The reality is, if we are honest with ourselves, we are less like one distinctive plot of land, and we are more like a farm that has a little bit of everything. There are patches of our life that are a little rocky. There are patches that have some thorns. There are patches that are, are beautiful, good soil. And there are paths, paths that walk through our life that are hard and worn. We are less like one plot of soil and more like a farm that's got a little bit of everything. There are areas of good soil. There are areas of rocks. There are hard areas. And we need to understand that about ourselves. We are a farm of many soils. There's one thing in this parable we've not yet talked about. Anybody guess what it is? The sower. What's the parable called? Parable of the sower. This is not the parable of the soils. When this parable gets preached on, it's always, here's the four types of soils. What type of soil are you? Now go and be a better soil. That is not the intent of this parable. Jesus has been talking about character. He has continually said, there are two types of character, good types and bad type, and follow me or don't follow me. He reiterates that, but this is called the parable of the sower. Yes, we get to see who we are, but the point of this parable is to reveal who God is, the kind of character that God has. See, to be a farmer in that day and age and intentionally throw seed on areas where it will not grow is wasteful and wrong and horrible. There might even be a law in the Old Testament against it. I don't know. I've, it's been a while since I've read all uh, 613 laws in the Old Testament, okay? So we've got to ask our question, ourselves a question about the sower. Was God stupid when he sowed seed on the hard path? Was he stupid and wasteful when he sowed seed in the rocky soil? Was he ignorant and not even thinking or paying attention when he sowed seed among the thorny soil? Was he careless and did it accidentally end up somewhere it shouldn't have? Or perhaps is God sowing seed intentionally everywhere? Continually giving a chance for everyone to receive the good seed. For everyone to participate in the kingdom, regardless of the kind of soil that you might have in your life. We need to understand something. The character of the sower, he intentionally sows seed in all areas. He intentionally and generously sows seed in all areas. He intentionally and generously and patiently Season after season, sow seed in all areas of our life. It doesn't matter what kind of soil you have in your farm. 
You might be more rocky than good. You might be more thorny than hard. You, I don't know. All I know is you're probably a mix in some way, shape, or form. And God is saying, I will intentionally, generously, patiently, continually sow seed across the entire farm of your life. Because I want seed to be everywhere. Because someone's going to water along the path. It's going to be a little root here. I want it to take hold. I want to cultivate you. And here's the thing. God knows what that good seed can do for you. He knows that hundredfold increase. God is the good sower who daily, regularly, moment by moment, seeks you, hopes for you, gives grace to you, even as you reject him. He looks at you with mercy and he says, they just don't know better. They just don't know better. The stuff that falls on hard hearts, they just don't know better. I'm going to continually put it there. Something's going to take root one day. That rocky soil, they just don't know better. I'm just going to continually sow because one day that's going to take root. That thorny soil, they just don't know better. They're lost in a sea of wants and desires and sins. That seed is going to take root, and I'm going to keep sowing it till it does. The constant in every area of life, no matter what kind of soil, the constant is not the soil, but the sower. Sower sows. So I want to reread it to you. I have a favorite author. He happens to be a Nazarene. That's not why he's my favorite author, but um, he tells stories. His name is Bob Benson. If you've never read his stories, go get his books. They're really good. They tell truths. They're like little parables about his own life. But he talks about this parable, and uh, he has some interesting insight. He says this, let me show you a new way to read this story. A sower goes out to sow, and some seed falls on the path, and some on the rocks. Some falls among good thorns, and some into good soil. And the sower goes out to sow. And some seed falls on the path, and some falls on the rocks, and some falls among thorns, and some into good soil. And so the sower goes out to sow. And some falls on the path, and some falls on the rocks, and some falls on the thorns, and some into good soil. And the sower goes out to sow. And the sower goes out to sow. And the sower goes out to sow. See, one thing that this teaches, uh, he says, um, is that the more one becomes, the more he sees his need of becoming. There's a truth there. The more one becomes, the more he sees his need of becoming. The deeper the roots of life go, the more he is impressed with their shallowness. The more conscious one is of closeness to God, the more he is aware of the distance that separates him from God. And we realize we are not fields, we are farms. The second thing is that the sower always goes out to sow. Always comes to you, never tiring, never discouraged. You have more poor soil than you do good. Always he comes, never despairing the seeds that perish, just generously dipping into the never-ending bag and sowing more seed. The sower goes out to sow. And here's what you need to take away this morning. The more you know about God's great love for you, the more you know you need it. 
It says this in scripture, oh God, you are my God and I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and I've beheld your power and your glory. And because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. The more you know about God's great love for you, the more you realize you need it. Secondly, you cannot outreach the love of God. You can't go past him. He's always ahead of you. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend all of, with all of the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that has surpassed all knowledge. That's a trippy sentence. To know the love of Christ that has surpassed all knowledge. Not that you comprehend it all, but that you know it by experiencing it. That you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. The more you know about God's great love for you, the more you know you need it. And you can't outreach the knowledge and the love of God. And you can't outrun the depth of his love for you. No, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You can never outrun the love of God. It's always ahead of you and deeper than you. And his love will draw you further in towards Christ-likeness. So put away all malice. Put away all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander and anything else. Put it away. And like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you've tasted that the Lord is good, so as you come to him, you're a living, uh, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, he was chosen and precious. You yourselves, you're like living stones as well, and you're being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Get this, the more you know about God's great love, the more you realize you need it. And you can't outreach his knowledge. He knows more than you. That's good. You can't outrun his love. It's deeper than you and it will always be there. And his love is going to continually draw you closer to him. See, the sower is always going to sow. The sower is always going to sow. The sower is always going to sow. And it doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter where you've been and it doesn't matter what you've said and it doesn't matter anything. Nothing matters. The only thing that matters is that the sower goes out to sow, plants those seeds. It doesn't matter what kind of soil you are. God can work with that. It says, it says right here in Scripture, Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see and to hear what you hear but did not hear. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. The idea is this, if you but just, Receive the seed. He's given it. You just got to say, yeah, I want it. Hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, life abundant. 
Christ promises that he will always sow you seed. The rest is up to you to say, I want that seed. I want to be cultivated. I want to grow. We're going to go ahead and pray. We're going to worship. And then, um, as you are praying and as you are worshiping, I just want you to think, yeah, what kind of soil are you? But regardless of the kind of soil you are, you still need more good seed. You still need more of Jesus. So this morning, if God is speaking to you, and you've got some business to do with him, to draw closer to God, regardless of where you are, he wants to do that for you this morning. He wants to sow that seed. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that you are that good sower who goes out to sow. Day in and day out, you're sowing seeds in our life. And we probably don't even see a fraction of what you are doing for us. Oh, would you open our eyes, Father, to your great and abundant love? Would you fill us to overflowing with the amount of seed? Seed upon seed, Father, we want it. We need it. In those areas that are hard, would you do what you do to soften it? Those areas that are rocky, would you just give us some grace, some mercy? Those areas that are thorny, Lord, would you, would you point out the thorn? We might not see it. In those areas that are good, Lord, would you, would you just embrace us in those and say, see, see how life can be? Lord, would you encourage our hearts this morning? to want more of you, to go deeper than we've gone before, to not settle for the way life is, but to know that with you, the harvest is amazing. We're thankful that you are a sower that goes out to sow, a sower that goes out to sow. And we want to be good, fertile land, receiving your seed this morning, Father. We pray this in your name.